Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Rudy, top of the key. Out to Conley. Works off the Gobert pick. Frees himself into a wide-open three and hits it. Donovan, guarded by Dort. Ten seconds left. Drives to the left hand. Puts it off the glass and in. Donovan Mitchell puts the Jazz up by one. 110-109 with seven seconds to play. Gilgis Alexander, three on the clock. Driving on Rudy. Wild right-hander, no good. And the Jazz win it 110-109. The Utah Jazz beat the Thunder. Donovan Mitchell, the go-ahead layup with seven seconds left. PK, they cut it close. It wasn't their best game. (laughs) But somehow they got out of there with a win. Well, they played well enough to get out of there with the win. I mean, that's how they did it. Uh, I love the fact that Donovan Mitchell wasn't settling for jump shots. I think his ability to put the ball on the floor, I wouldn't call that a layup that he made. It's a driving shot. And his ability to do that is what they call the mid-range game, which I guess is anything defined outside of the key and uh, inside the three-point line seems to be what we determined the mid-range game. I think that's really, really good. And I saw it last year. I saw it uh, particularly at the end of the season in Orlando. And I saw it last night. You know, the three wasn't dropping as well. Put the ball in his hands and let him create. And if he pulls up for 15-footer, 17-footer, whatever it might be, man, I really like that shot as long as he's open and, and is in, in rhythm and all that stuff. And I was glad to see that. And then conversely, I was watching the game with my wife. I said, man, I really hope the uh, Thunder try to somehow take the ball to the basket in some fashion because Rudy is going to be there to impede it and it's not going to go in. And that's precisely what happened. Those are the two things in the last 10 seconds coming into the Jazz, coming out of the timeouts, the last 15 seconds or so, and then the Thunder coming out of theirs that I really wanted to see happen. And it happened, and the Jazz get out of there with a one-point win, which is all that matters. You know, on that final defensive play, Rudy, A, didn't block the shot. B, didn't even raise his arm to block the shot. But his presence, it makes you shoot it quick. As you think he's going to block the shot. So you just kind of throw it up on the glass and hope something good happens. And, of course, it did for the Jazz. Shot got missed. And he was really big down the stretch. They Down the stretch, they were doing a good job of defending the three-pointers. And uh, so Oklahoma City was putting the ball on the floor and going right at Rudy again and again. And they got frustrated again and again. Yeah. Conley almost got the triple-double, finished with nine assists, but 23 points, 10 rebounds early in the game. Uh, when a lot of guys couldn't make shots, he did, and he, he kept them close. So, big game for, uh, for Mike Conley. You know, I think what you said about, we can get into this more later, um, the difference between the twos and the threes with uh, Mitchell is the twos felt like they were within rhythm. The threes felt like he was shooting them because he felt like he's supposed to shoot them the way they're running the offense now with the quick threes. And there were a few other threes throughout the game that other guys took. That I feel like, well, they're not in rhythm, but, you know, they're trying to get shots up in six seconds because those are the ones that are most likely to be open, hurry up court, and it wasn't quite clicking. And you could kind of see the frustration there. But winning removes some of the frustration and uh, learn all that stuff in the wins and get it figured out. So they'll be back at it Thursday. The Suns are in town play the Jazz New Year's Eve with Phoenix. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Coming in defended by Anthony Davis with four to shoot. Gives it to Dame. Down to two to shoot. Dame spins out of it. Three-pointer to beat the shot clock. Got it! Damian 
clutch three-pointer, and the Blazers lead by four. Here's CJ, a wing three, open, got it! CJ's got 20! And the Blazers now lead by five, 106-101. It's a Rip City winner! The Blazers go into Staples Center, beat the Lakers 115-107, and improve to two and one. The Lakers get beat by the Blazers, and Lillard was really good. Gary Trent Jr. off the bench was shooting the ball very well. He shot it out just outstanding. And then Nurkic came up big for him, PK. You can see why they missed him. He had a couple big rebounds late in the game, an offensive rebound, a couple of buckets just in the last two minutes. And it's enough with all those guys to get out of there with the victory and beat the Lakers. And Portland's 2-1 and one now with that blowout loss to the Jazz and now a couple victories, and this is a good one, certainly. Yeah, they shot the ball well, and Anthony Davis did not score. I mean, you can look at the box score. We can analytic it to death, but it takes me two seconds to look at the box score. Trent had the game of his life. Lillard was Lillard. Uh, McCollum was 7 of 23, but he hit some big buckets. And for the Lakers to win, most likely they need Davis and, and LeBron to play well, and well is defined by how many points you have. And Davis didn't have that many points. Other scores, the Grizzlies beat the Nets. Uh, there were a lot of guys not playing for part or all of that game. Uh, the big two for the Nets were both sitting it out. Kyrie was out. Kevin Durant was out. They were on the bench in street clothes. And then John Morant left the game a couple minutes before halftime. He came down on somebody's foot and rolled his ankle pretty back badly, and they wheeled him off, and he came back in a boot late in the game. And So what was left of the Grizzlies beat what was left of the Nets, even though all the star power was out of that one. Well, yeah, I mean, we've been doing this now for a week. It's time to take some time off. Are you kidding me? I mean, you can't expect these guys to play 72 games. I mean, a week into it, I can see why you'd be gassed. I watched, uh, boy, the uh, after the Jazz was over, I watched the Nuggets game. Man, Jokic, 18 assists. Some of those passes he threw, yeah, I mean, he's throwing incredible. the ball to spots. Guys are cutting with two defenders around him, and he throws the ball, and nobody sees it. But the Nuggets know what they're doing, and their guy gets to the spot and gets the ball and scores. Yeah, you're, you're recalling that one play. Yeah, that was, was right an unbelievable front, pass. In front of the bucket, yeah. I think it might have been to Porter, and then he gets the ball, and he's right, standing right in front of the basket and just lays it in. He's averaging a healthy 14 assists a game so far. He's really just a phenomenal player offensively with his abilities to obviously have all sorts of ability to shoot the ball but it's passing ability. I said it last year, and somebody backed me up. I can't remember. One of the big commentators. Uh, maybe it was Dickie V. I don't know. But I said that he's the best passing center since Bill Walton. Philadelphia 76ers GM fined 50 grand for violating the league's anti-tampering policy. Twitter feed on December 20th celebrated the one-year anniversary of Houston Rockets star James Harden breaking the Rockets franchise record for assists. Daryl Morey told the league it was an inadvertent post from an automated app, and it was deleted. Is that kind of stuff going to pay off? Is that really what Harden cares about? I mean, Harden already wants out. I don't know. It was an inadvertent post, I guess. Uh, He listed Philadelphia as far as one of his destinations. But I made a pact with myself that Twitter will not be my demise. That's a good pact. I can't quite be like you, uh, very exclusively neutral 
in him. You're not very controversial. I love you dearly, but you're not very controversial in your tweets. Uh, and I have a tendency to want to pop off, but I'm not going to do it on Twitter. <laughs> Good decision, PK. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Josh takes a shotgun snap. Going to give it to Zach Moss. Driving up the middle into the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. Zach Moss, five-yard touchdown run. The Bills take the lead. Allen looks to his right. Heads that way. Now cuts back. Heads to his left. Fires a strike into the end zone. It is caught. Touchdown, Stephon Diggs. His third of the game. Buffalo Bills blow out the New England Patriots 38-9. Cam Newton benched in the second half. He was frustrated after the game. Bill Belichick was throwing the phone. He was frustrated. Josh Allen, the former Wyoming quarterback, was just happy. 320 yards passing, four touchdowns. He just hit hit digs again and again and again. And uh, they rolled to victory, and they are now poised play for the two seed in the AFC. They got to beat the Dolphins next week or get the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers get beat by the Browns. Either way, they'd be the two seed. It's a pretty dominating performance there, PK. Yeah, I had a hard time watching it, honestly, especially with the Jazz, Jazz playing. On, yeah. It just wasn't competitive. Cam Newton, we were talking about Green Bay and uh, Aaron Rodgers and his awesome stats, the 44 touchdowns and only five picks, which is ridiculous. But Cam Newton, only five touchdown passes. I know a lot of guys are playing into their late 30s and into their early 40s at quarterback, but Cam Newton with the shoulder injuries and uh, just not throwing the ball well, only five touchdown passes all year. It's, uh, it's a grind to watch those guys play. Why well, I didn't. Washington football team releasing Dwayne Haskins Jr. Less than two years after he was taken in the first round. He was benched Sunday. He's got uh, more turnovers, uh, more interceptions than touchdowns. He says, I take full responsibility for not meeting the standards. I'm an NFL quarterback. I'll become a better man and player because of this experience. Had problems off the field. Had problems on the field. And they are giving up on him. Yeah, he went to Ohio State. Of course he had problems off the field. (laughs) (laughs) That's a given. (laughs) Jared Goff undergoes surgery on his broken right thumb. He will not be able to play as the Rams try to clinch a playoff berth against the Cardinals this weekend. Uh, Goff originally hoped to play through it, but they had the surgery, and so that's that. And then I guess the question is, uh, in Arizona, we saw the the limping from Kyler Murray. Is he going to be able to go or not, PK? Could You're be asking a, me. I don't know. Yeah, it could be a couple of backup quarterbacks there. We'll have to see how that plays out. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. No disrespect. People can perceive and take things however they want. But for me, every year, I take it seriously. I just don't think it's right. It's not that they're not good enough. I just don't think it's right that three teams have to play 13 games to be the champion and, and one team has to play eight. People have a problem with that. I, I don't really care. Uh, it's just, it's my poll. Uh, and, it, and it doesn't matter who the person was. It's zero to do with Ohio State. That's Dabo Sweeney on why he has Ohio State ranked 11th in his coach's poll ballot. And, of course, they're going to play each other here at the end of the week in the uh, semifinals of the college football playoff. So there it is. Put it on Dabo. Is he trying to take the pressure off the players, make it all about him, or he just likes to make it all about him? I think that he was just speaking from the heart. Can you do that? Does it have to be about somebody? Uh, it could be, but it, uh, when you do something like that, that I mean, 11th, 
It seems like he might have ulterior motives to me, but sure. It could just be that. I mean, he feels the principle of not playing enough games. And, and, and I can understand that. I mean, why in the world was the Big Ten and the Pac-12 playing only few games? So few games, I should say. I mean, why? What? Why did you wait so long? I, I just don't understand it. We may never know. Well, well I think we, we do know. Okay, why is it? <laughs> it's politics, my friend. Come on. You don't think it was, is it the politics like the presidential politics no. or the politics of the ego of, hey, I don't think we're going to play, so I want to go first and be shown as the leader? No, I think that the politics of being that they're afraid of blowback if something bad should happen. I'm not speaking, when I say politics, I don't think that the Big 12 or, excuse me, the 10 and Pac-12, I don't know that they really care who was elected president. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about that, you know, it was the look the the negative feedback the media you know christine brennan from cnn or uh, usa today uh writing that when the big 12 or saying 12 big 10 decide to come back this is the worst day in big 10 history come on really a little bit overstated go down to the masters christine and try to bug jack nicholas into telling us why he voted for trump and how awful that was which she did I mean, so I think that it was about the... Uh, it's about the look. It's about the yeah, appearance. Exactly. And yes. possibly about the uh, um, the financial risk of getting sued if something goes wrong. Yeah, that's what I define as politics. Yeah. Not in the traditional who you're going to vote for sense. I think the, the liability issues weighed heavy on him. And I think that irritated Sweeney. That's, that's my take, and I could be totally wrong. I've never spoken to the man once. I do think that, you know, now that he has all sorts of leverage because of his success, he has the ability to speak out, and he's choosing to do that. I think, I would like to think, and maybe this is way off base, that it was about principle. He felt like, well, everybody else has to play who's in the playoff all these games, and this team didn't. And the more you play, the more you have opportunities for injuries and whatnot, and so, you know, whatever it might be, but... Nevertheless, who cares what a poll is? Because when you get out on the field, that's really all that matters. And when the ball's in the air, whether he had him at first or 15th or whatever, it doesn't matter. Alabama had six players named All-America first team. BYU offensive lineman Brady Christensen was named the first team, while kicker Jake Olroyd was a third-team honoree. And more individual honors, uh... Cougars offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes, one of the five finalists for the Broyles Award, although the Broyles Award goes to the former BYU quarterback, now Alabama's offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian is the winner. Yeah, I think if you want to rehabilitate yourself, you go work for Saban because you had Lane Kiffin and Loxley, who's now the coach at Maryland, who was at New Mexico. That was a good and, run, I mean, it wasn't it? It couldn't have been worse. Oh, man. You know? Punching an assistant, winning yeah. one game in two years. And then you have a thing with some secretary yeah. had some had issues. Sexual harassment. Charges. Not to mention that the football team just absolutely sucked. Over. Somehow. Had yeah. an over. And he ends up getting a head coaching job. Yep. At Maryland, no less. Yeah. that. Big 10. Wow, man. In the big, uh, I'll probably call it the Big 12, even though it's the Big 10. And should be the ACC. So I'm all confused. <laughs> <laughs> 
and the All-American Honors, those are the Associated Press All-American teams that were announced yesterday. What did our boy Zach get? Nothing with the AP. Well, he's going to be a high draft pick. Looks like he's going to go in the first five. Saw a story uh, last night on 18 first-round picks, and you've got less than a, as a first-round pick, you got less than a 50% chance of uh, being a starter at this point. It was in the last five drafts. Now, some of those guys have only had a year or two. Some of the guys had four or five years to prove themselves. So obviously, there's a little wiggle room there. But the number of uh, the number of guys who succeed in the first round, the number of guys who bust in the first round, is just the results are all over the map. But what they all get, PK, Cash. is guaranteed money. Yeah, there are no losers yeah. in pro sports. Right. I mean, if you're going to suck, at least have the money. <laughs> uh, Florida is going to play in the Cotton Bowl tomorrow. Well, some of the Gators are. Uh, the top four receivers are out. Uh, yeah. Several players opting out. Jacob Copeland is out due to COVID-19. But Kyle Pitts, who... Man, he looks like he's going to be awesome in the NFL. He is way better than everybody in college. Man amongst boys is the cliche. He is way better than everybody else. Uh, he's not going to play in that game. So, Florida and Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. It's hard to believe, PK, but the Padres are going all in. One day after they went out and acquired a big-time starting pitcher for prospects, the next day they go out and acquire a big-time starting pitcher for more prospects. And so now they're getting you Darvish from the Cubs, and they're sending four prospects out. And then uh, a shortstop and third baseman from South Korea, Hassan Kim, who's going to give him depth there because they've already, they're kind of set over there. But I guess uh, you can never have enough good players, right? Well, yeah, I I expect uh, today the announcement that Sandy Koufax is coming out of retirement (laughs) is going to pitch for the Padres. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, you put uh, firepower at the front of your rotation, and they've got this kid, uh, Gore, who's only 21 years old, and he strikes out about six guys an inning. Uh, I don't know if he's going to come up this year. A lot of folk thought he was going to come up last year. He did, and they just kept him down. What, what they, they called it, I don't know what they called it, but basically on your camp, because obviously there wasn't a minor league season last season. But in 2019, some of his stats, his high school stats were just amazing, like you know, 150 strikeouts in, in 70 innings or some, something just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so pitching is the name of the game big time you've got to have it got to have pitching and defense if you want to win in baseball you know offense is nice uh, and it can win you a lot of stuff but you've got to have the pitching and you go out and get these two kids in back-to-back days wow man that that's just very impressive they already have the offense not like their offense was that weak to begin with uh, so yeah they these big money teams just continue to throw <laughs> throw their weight around. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, little Diamondbacks just you know, just hoping to eke out uh, you know a 500 record. You know, you talk about how it's good to have uh, one of your own as a college football coach. Uh, 
they're uh, they're local. They're more invested. They know what's going on. It just it, for all the out of town owners the Padres have had. Now they have a local guy, and man, this is just. And he knows this because he's lived there his whole life. They've been sellers, not buyers. And man, he has turned into a buyer in the big way the last couple of days. So, yeah, Ron Fowler, way to go, Ron! Holy cow! All right, DJ and PK, there you go. That is what is trending. Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst, is going to join us next. Andy Bailey covers the jazz and the NBA for Bleacher Report. He'll be here at 9 o'clock on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. In the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Lincoln Kennedy, Raider Radio Analyst, Pac 12 Network Analyst. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen, to you and yours. Happy holidays. I hope everybody's safe and healthy. And as always, I appreciate being with you guys. So thanks for having me. Well, we appreciate having you on, and Happy New Year to you, too. The countdown is on. Yes. So I don't know how you do it, but you find yourself right in the middle of the best stories. We love having you on. <laughs> what did you think? And I don't want to put it on Jacobs because I think he was told to do it, and so he was just executing the plan, right? But yeah. Jacobs slides at the one-yard line. Yeah. Did you feel good about that when, he, when it happened, or did you think, no, there's too much time, this is a problem? Let me, let me preface this by saying that I understand the situation that a lot of players are in, especially young players who are new to the game and just want to do what they're instructed to do. Don't want to be that person that costs their team a game. But I played for John Gruden, uh, and John Gruden was conservative back when I played for him, and he's still conservative today. And there have been a lot of things that I didn't necessarily see eye-to-eye with him uh, first and most notably, he's a lot shorter than I am, so it's not really eye to eye. It's not really fair. It's eye to top of head. Anyway, that's another story for another day. But um, <laughs> uh, didn't didn't necessarily agree with him, but had to go with it. And I remember um, the the most vivid memory that I had was when we were fourth and one in New England during the Tuck Row game on midfield. And the play before, our guard had mistakenly got the wrong call. I don't know how it happened, but he went the wrong way. Um, we were running one of our notable plays, 14 blasts, that we were notoriously successful on. And the play before in the third down play, we got stuffed in New England for no gain. And we realized what went wrong. So all of us collectively as an offensive line, as an offensive unit, were looking to John Gruden and say, yo, just run the same play again. We'll get the first down. We'll put this game away. We'll beat New England in New England on the the tuck rule day. And he chose to punt. And we never got the ball back offensively after that. That was a conservative call. That was what we deem these days as an analytical call. 
Most people will tell you who study analytics will tell you that was the right decision. When we're going back to what happened against Miami, uh, will tell you that that's the right decision to do with Jacobs, because statistically or analytically, it's closer impossible with no timeouts and little time on the field that you know whomever is that quarterback for the Miami Dolphins will be able to drive the length of the field and get a field goal. I've never believed in analytics. I was always of the mindset. You make it as difficult as on the opponent as possible. So I was in the, the it might be deemed as the minority, where score the touchdown, go up by six or seven if you're able to get the two-point conversion, and make the opposing team drive the length of the field to get a touchdown to beat you, no matter how much time is on the field or on the clock or no matter how, how much you don't believe in your defense. I, it, it doesn't matter. Make a team do the impossible and drive the length of the field. Just a couple weeks before, it was a mismanaged game by the de- defensive coordinator Greg Williams in New York that provided the miracle in the Meadowlands. The Raiders weren't supposed to score on a long pass to end the game to beat the, to beat the Jets. No, that, that's not supposed to happen. Conversely, what happened with against Miami is not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to get a long pass versus well, they shouldn't have been in cover two for the beginning, but a you know bad defense along with a face mask that added an extra 15 yards to put you in field position to allow you to kick the winning field goal when you chose to go by two and a field goal beat you. So we're going back to square one to answer your question. I've never believed in conservative play and and anything I've ever done. Well, the good thing about the Raiders is they're all sorts of exciting this season. You just (laughs) cited these two incredible games, one one in which they won, the other in which they lost. So from an entertainment aspect, which is what I've said a million times, that's what I view sports as. I've been wildly entertained to watch them play. Right. Uh, as far as I don't really get caught up in the results, I just get caught up in the game themselves and how fun it is to watch, and that's been sensational. I'm wondering if it is more a statement on the lack of the faith of the defense that John did what he did. Yes. Absolutely. It is. But you know what? To, to be fair, because football is a team game, if – the defense wants to start pointing fingers, or the offense wants to start pointing fingers at the defense in the locker room. I'm just hypothetical situation. I don't know this because I have not been around the players. I'm only trying to observe from an outsider looking in, and if I was in that situation. If the offense wants to point fingers at the defense, we had to do this because we don't have any confidence in you. Or the defense is saying, well, look, we were playing lights-out ball basically for three and a half quarters, you guys should have done your part and scored more points. We would have never been in this position if we had, to, if we had more touchdowns and having to settle for field goals. If that becomes the point, then, then it, you, what you're inserting is that you're sort of losing the locker room. Now, I'm the first to tell you because I cover this team, I've seen this team for years now, they need a defensive coordinator who can complement a scheme with the personnel they have. They've invested so much money and so young of talent, they need a new innovative mind to come in there and transform this defense in order to make it competitive in the National Football League. They did not have that. But over the last couple of games since Paul Gunther has been fired, the defense has been playing statistically better. 
So in a team game, the offense needs to give them the benefit of the doubt. Hey, look, you go out there and score points. Allow us to try to shut people down. We're not going to be perfect at times. But because the offense's inability during the Miami game to put this game away when they still Miami still had two at quarterback allowed Brian Flores to make the change because we're only down by three. We're on the playoff bubble. We need this game. Let me put something in that's going to change the tone of this game. Everyone who studies Miami knows that uh, uh, Fitzpatrick brings a spark. He makes those throws that Tua is not confident enough to make right now. Everyone has seen that. The games that he's won, he's done that. So the Raiders knew what they had in a waiting quarterback on the sideline. But because you did not put the game away, you gave life to a a Miami team that wants to go to the playoffs. This is what you got. And that's exactly what they saw. So, yes, the defense was going to be on the heels. But the offense, in my opinion, dropped the ball by not scoring enough points to put this game away to begin with. So there are gamers, and then there is whatever that last snap was for the Dolphins. That well, I don't know if it's the last snap. Maybe they ran one more. But uh, how do you complete a pass thirty-five yards down the sideline while your helmet is getting spun around by the face mask and your head's inside it? That was one of the more incredible throws I've ever seen, and it was still wobbling up there, and it looked like you know I had to fair catch a punt down the sideline. And I don't know where the Raider defense was. Had that ball was in the air forever, but nonetheless, as a gamer, that was an incredible play by Fitzpatrick. Well, there's no doubt about it. First of all, um, in my impression, the Raiders should not have been in cover two. Secondly, it's it's again, it's my impression that a corner, Damon Arnett, who's a rookie in the league, and rookies make mistakes is not used to playing cover two. When you follow his career at Ohio State, he was either a, a boundary corner or a press man corner that was used to playing man coverage, not playing cover two zone. Okay, so that's the first and foremost. He was out of position. He was supposed to, you know, on, on a, the old basis of cover two, the corner is supposed to delay the release of the, the receiver on his side, and he's supposed to watch the flat. Well, with the back or the tight end staying in for max protection, which the Dolphins had, there's no one for him to release to or look for. He should not. He should be running with that receiver for an additional 10, 15 yards. Isaiah Johnson, who was a safety on that, there was no other receiver in his vicinity, but he was worried about the seam route that the Dolphins had showed early, and he was late into getting his over to his responsibility of covering that receiver. So there was that 10, 15-yard hole that happened to someone who one of Isaiah Johnson is more of a corner than a safety. He was playing out of position due to injury and, and uh, lack of personnel. He had to cover that position. He was late getting over there. He should have been over there a lot sooner. And this is the same thing that plagued the Raiders when uh, Worley was playing safety the week before against the Chargers. And the way the Chargers beat the Raiders by running the same route versus cover two to beat them and, and score two, two, two consecutive touchdowns. So you know, in, in summation, what we have here, guys, is that there were a number of times with the Raiders' defense, especially in the secondary, that people were either out of position, didn't know what they were supposed to be doing, or didn't know how to play correctly. And that can be completely attributed to the lack of practice, the fact that both the defensive back and the secondary coach were not present at the game because they were released during, not released, they were off due to COVID list responsibilities. They couldn't be at the game. So then you had Mike Mayock who's in charge of personnel, along with another assistant coach calling the defensive secondary. Go figure. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? This is what yeah. the Raiders were dealing with. 
not to make excuses because COVID has affected every team. But when you look at this team and you look at its demise in the second half, there are a number of things that I can push pins at and say, this is the cause, this is the reason, this is what's, what's going to happen. What's got to happen in the future is this team needs to hire a defensive coordinator that can create a scheme that can best utilize the athletes that he has available on this team without having to go outside or look for free agency. They still need an impact player. On any level of this defense, whether it's defensive line, linebackers, or secondary, they need an impact player, high-impact player, and they don't have a lot of resources to come into it because they've already extended the resources and they still have the offensive fine to. In the future, in 21, I'm hoping that this Raider defense can be competitive. I'm not saying they need to be lights out. I'm not saying they need to be shut down, but they need to be competitive. They need to be middle-of-the-range competitive in order for this offense to do what it has to do. And believe me, this offense still needs adjustments as well. So we can go into extensive conversations of where they should go, what they should be doing. You speak of Tua, and Miami's winning games. You know, one of them, I would say one of the bigger surprises maybe having them being 10-5 going into the last game. And Tua's got modest stats. He's not throwing for a, hun- a ton of yards. He doesn't turn the ball over, too. I think he only has two interceptions. But you talk about him, you know, he wasn't ready to make those plays that Fitzpatrick is, and Fitzpatrick's been in the league for a good long time. But the Dolphins, I don't know that they've been able to answer, is Tua a franchise QB going forward? What do you think? I think he can be. One of the main criticisms that came out of Tua's career was, one, he was injury-riddled, and he doesn't have a big frame. That's something he has to work on on his own. But also the mentality to pull, you know, to, to, to pull on this level, the professional level, because he did it in college. He showed it when he was at Alabama. The biggest thing between him and Jalen Hurts when he was at Alabama is that he wasn't afraid to pull that trigger. He's an athlete, but in this level, what he struggled with is with the speed of the NFL and the coverages of the NFL really making that decisive and, and, and taking that chance at pulling the trigger and getting the ball downhill, downfield. They've got a running game. Now, what Brian Flores and his staff in Miami has been able to do, in my opinion, is take virtually a bunch of no-names on defense. Because if you look at it, other than Howard, who are you going to say that is a considerable name on defense? Take a bunch of no-names on defense and have them playing entirely well under a 3-4 system that he stole from Belichick or that he took from New England and say so, but he took from New England. Okay, so the defense is what sets them apart. On top of that, they've got incredible production out of, you know, two former Hussies, Ahmed and as well as uh, Miles Gaston's Go Dogs. Uh, and, you know, they've been able to take that, that their running game over. So they're building in the right direction, and they've got a ton of commodity and draft choices and pay in a salary cap room to make this team a – you know, a legitimate contender. I don't know how good they'll be able to stand up against the Kansas Cities, but they can they can get there. And I think they're going to be going good from this point forward. Yes, Tua is a franchise quarterback. It's it's disappointing to see Fitzpatrick have to sort of fade, but he can be going that go down as a proverbial backup anywhere he goes because he's capable of playing, and he proved that. So the Chiefs are fourteen and one, but they have won six straight games by six points or less. They have had some nail-biters. They were very fortunate the Falcons missed a field goal that was completely makeable to uh, avoid overtime this past week. And I've been wondering why this happened. I read a story that they have had just offensive line issues. It's been one guy after another. Never a wave of them, but like every couple weeks there's a problem, and sometimes they've got to move a guy because of the problem. So really it's two changes because of one injury. Is that why this is close? Is the league catching up to them? Is it more the injuries in the O-line? Is it something else? Yes. 
<laughs> First of all, I'll say a win is a win. It doesn't matter if you win by one or 31. It's still a win. And, and so you, you have that. Patrick Mahomes is going to be a force in this league, as you already know. He's you know on set to be a, a future first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no denying that. But every good team has had sort of a chink in their armor. It's whether or not you can expose it. When the Raiders played the Chiefs back in, in week five of this year, when Colegio Simile went down with double knee injuries on a freak play, the Raiders were able, defensive line were able to take advantage of the, the sort of uh, quickly pieced together offensive line to generate pressure, to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes to make him uncomfortable for them to win that game. Now, if you can do that every week, that's going to be a noticeable chink in the Kansas City Chiefs armor. However, they still have great offensive firepower. They still find a way to win on special teams. They still find a way with Steve Spagnuolo, who's probably going to be a future head coach, another head coach in the National Football League in one of these uh, vacant positions, to, to, to get that push or to find that defensive stop to make those plays. So it doesn't matter if you're winning by one or 31, a win is a one, and they're still winning. So Dwayne Haskins gets uh, released by uh, the Washington. I call them the Pigskins. I think that's the name they should adapt. Then <laughs> they could still still be called the Skins. But anyway, right. he comes out and he makes this. Well, Boogie McFarland makes this statement that I wanted to get your reaction to, and he talks about how today's players come into the league not it, thinking how can I be a better player, how can I be a better teammate, and he specifically, obviously, he's African American, so. Let's call it like it is. He can right. say this. Uh, he said, I'm going to go ahead, especially with a, a league of that's made up of 70% of uh, African-Americans in the league. He says, here's what they here's what they come in saying. They come in saying, how can I build my brand better? How can I build my social media following better? How can I work on an Instagram and show everybody that I'm ready to go? But when I get in the game, I don't perform. And he compares Haskins to Jamarcus Russell. These are two quarterbacks, African-American quarterbacks, obviously. That ends up being bust. What's your reaction to McFarlane, who has, you know, a broadcaster of some stature, much right. like yourself, making these statements about these young kids coming into this league and not thinking the way they should be in terms of making themselves a better football player, a better teammate, that type of thing? You know, the thing is, is that when you, you break down the comments and you understand what Booger is trying to say uh, and understand the, the remedy, remedy of the, the situation, you take in consideration that I thought Jamarcus Russell, I thought that Haskins, both came in this league unprepared to deal with the world of the NFL. Now, I say that because the world of the NFL is different than the NBA. It's different than Major League Baseball. It's different than hockey. You know, you have young guys that come in with very little college experience or, you know, however you describe their college experience, coming into the world, especially when it comes to quarterback, which is the most prolific in, in the sports world because it carries the most pressure, both good and bad, whether or not they're ready for that responsibility. Haskins had one, uh, had one good year at Ohio State. And I've often referred to underclassmen that come in out of high school or uh, one year in college to the NBA as half-baked pies. They don't really know their true potential because they don't know what life is like on this level, and especially for when it comes to quarterback. And when you're quarterback, it doesn't matter any team. It doesn't matter if you're Jacksonville. It doesn't matter if you're Washington. It doesn't matter whomever, Seattle, whatever. You come in with the responsibility of being the – the uh, 
being the impact or being the 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 the, the, the most person that the, the focus, the most focal point person of that team. You are the identity of that team. If you're caught in strip clubs with strippers, you're the identity of the team. You make that team look bad. Whether it was innocent or what have you, you, you make that team look bad. James Harden with Houston, having a birthday party at a strip club, oh, makes it look bad. COVID, you don't, all these days and all these things uh, that are exposed to that, that, especially when it comes to social media. I have come across many players in this day and age, and I've said that players are different this day because they're more concerned about their social media presence than they are their performance presence. It's a shame, it's a travesty to the game, but it is what it is. I've come across many guys that say, you know what, when you ask how long you want to play, well, you know what, I just want to go through my rookie contract, I want to test free agency, and then I want to work on my rap career, or I want to work on modeling, or I want to work on being an actor, or I want to you know, raise my social media brand because I want to be famous on TikTok, TikTok whatever the hell it is. It, it, it is what it is, and that's what you're dealing with these days. Um, unfortunately for the game, you, you'll, you'll tend to pull a team down with you. You know, Alex Smith will probably get the comeback player of the year. If you see the pictures of what he went through in his leg and his performance, well, that's what we want our we want our athletes to be. We want our athletes to be seen, not necessarily heard. We want them to be on the field. We want them to perform, not necessarily what, what they do off the field. We don't care about that. It's unfortunate uh, that that Booger has to attack it from a perspective of black and white because I don't want to mix color into it. But on top of that, you don't see have to call like it is. You don't see a white quarterback doing the same thing as much as you do a black quarterback that becomes deemed detrimental to the team. That forces the team to take drastic circumstances where they're releasing a former number one pick so early in his career. Last thing before we let you go, the Seattle Seahawks defense. PK was pumping the Seahawks as a Super Bowl team right out of the gate because the offense was awesome and Russell Wilson was in Patrick Mahomes' territory just doing whatever he wanted. But as the season's gone along, that Seattle defense, now the offense isn't as explosive as it was, but the Seattle defense, they give up 23 points or more in every single one of their first nine games. Last six games, they haven't given up 23 points once. What has Pete Carroll done? Is it changing personnel? Is it just coaching guys up? He's not the most popular guy. I know he rubs people the wrong way. But that's, that's an amazing turnaround for their defense. You know what? Uh, you know, I have to disagree with you slightly because when you talk to Seahawks players, they love Pete Carroll. Oh, yeah. No, no, I know. I'm talking about more about oh. the, the fans and the media. And maybe it's still oh, yeah. some well, USC I mean, stuff. Everybody wants to make an excuse, especially when, yeah. when you know, defensive-minded coaches struggle to do what they do. Though. But best, but, you know, all along it's always been about whether or not Seattle is going to come around. They're a fan favorite for a number of reasons because, you know, you like Russell Wilson. He's a likable person. You take the good stories that are on that team, they're likable, and then they find a way to collection and bring it together. They were a different team without Jamal Adams. And when he was injured and inconsistent, they didn't have the punch that this defense did. Now that he's back, he's one of those impact players that I wish the Raiders would have uh, at some extreme. Um, and they found a way to motivate their guys and to raise them to a different level and take over this division. Notoriously, they coming on late, they only really had to contend with the Rams because I think the Cardinals are a year away, 49ers are decimated by injury. You get yourself in the playoffs, anything can happen. And because the NFC is such a coin flip, there's not a totally dominant team like you can, you can probably make the argument for in the AFC that it's anyone's game. So Seattle's right where they want to be. Well, Lincoln, as always, we appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, joining us, and uh, Happy New Year. 
Happy New Year to you guys. I really appreciate being with you. Thank you for having me. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, a Pac-12 network analyst as well. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz get the win in Oklahoma City. We got reaction to that. And Andy Bailey covering the Jazz for the NBA, or covering the Jazz and the NBA for Bleacher Report. He's going to join us at 9 o'clock. More of your reaction to the Jazz coming up. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Just a heartbreaking story over the weekend. Ty Jordan passing away. This kid loved family, but loved his teammates and his coaches and loved the game and played with a smile and was just awesome. Ty Jordan was electric, spectacular. His third game, I put out that tweet and I said, oh, this isn't even close. This is Ty Jordan. He's newcomer of the year. Yeah, sure. Zach Wilson, absolutely. Player of the year. But new Newcomer of the year, exploding onto the scene, it was Ty Jordan. I'm not just saying this because a man has passed away. I'm saying this because I think back on the games and the emotions that I felt when I was watching him, and I know what this kid had in front of him, and that's what makes this so much more difficult for me to stomach. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Utah Jazz picking up the win in Oklahoma City. We've got... uh, we got uh, a lot of reaction flowing into that, but PK, we're also counting down to the end of 2020. Say goodbye. Got a question up here. What's your play of the year for the state of Utah in 2020? Some people colored within the lines. Some people stretched this as far as they could. Eric went right by the letter of the law. Sam Merrill's shot against San Diego State, obviously. It's pretty. Brad stretched it out. BYU getting the blowout victory over Boise State. It's not really a play. That's the game of the year, isn't it? Uh, yeah, if you want to go uh, to an individual play, that's not literally an injury. In- an individual play. Maybe Algiers run right off the bat. I was going to say the 91-yard touchdown Set the run. tone of here we go again, man. We are just going to just maul this schedule of ours, which they did except for two games. Uh, obviously, UTSA, which turned out to be a pretty good team. Uh, they won by one score, and then the, you know, the Coastal Carolina thing. But other than that, they just kicked crap out of everybody else. So maybe that play, uh, the Merle shot was just incredible. I mean, we didn't know what was going to happen in just a few days' time. And at the time, uh, you know, it was a great play. But I do think both teams were going to the tournament, so there was going to be another day. Certainly, San Jose State was going to go. That was no question that they were going to go, uh, and probably the Aggies were going to go. But nevertheless, I mean, watching that and seeing that ball go in like that, uh, it was just uh, – I think the Aztecs did get off like a half-court shot or something after that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, there's uh, like two and a half seconds left. Yeah, but it was very, very dramatic. And good for Merle, man. Local kid is literally in the NBA – if he got cut today, he could still say, I played in the NBA. And it doesn't look like he's going to get cut today. But I'm saying he reached the NBA. As a return missionary, too, there's not too many of those guys who take away 
two years of playing ball and come back and, and get there, uh, probably you can count on one hand the number of guys. Dude, I know Britton got there and, and Mark Madsen. I'm not sure uh, anybody else. Maybe, maybe, maybe Sean others. Bradley got there. Uh, yeah, he did. I mean, seven six, uh, mm-hmm. and did play the one year of college. So you got to consider that for sure. Uh, so yeah, and as I said, there's just not that many. And having Sam Merrill do what he did was just phenomenal. But I think I'm going to go with Donovan Mitchell's uh, bank shot against Oklahoma City. The bank shot against OKC. Last night. <laughs> Recency bias. Hello. <laughs> a one-point win well, in the regular season. I mean, he did well, bank it him, in. Though, I mean, scoring, <laughs> scoring 12 points the last 12. I was say the last 12 in a row, yeah. That was very impressive. Yeah. And I don't care that it was against Oklahoma City. That was very impressive. Because in the moment, uh, that was something that really mattered. So that's what you want from your star. And he came through. Once you're uh, once you're a good team, and once you want to be a very good or a great team, you know you can't celebrate all the wins. And some you just have to grind out. But if you don't get them, it's a big deal. If you, it's not a big deal that you got it, but it would have been a big deal if you had lost it. I think the loss is a bigger deal than the win for sure. Yeah. I can agree with that. Yeah. So he had to he had to come on late, and he hadn't done much in the game, and he was able to, as he has done so many times, start poorly. And finish well. Yeah, against Dort, who, what a success story that kid is, yeah, going right? undrafted. Wow. And uh, finding his way not only into the league, but to be a player in the league. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. And he's a very aggressive defensive player. He has the great NBA body. He had it since the time he was like 15 years old. And uh, so Mitchell had his work cut out for him and managed to uh, get the team over the hump. All right, what's your play of the year for the state of Utah in 2020? You can hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. On Facebook, DJ and PK. Grab your phone. Use, the, use our app, the 1280 The Zone app. You can use the open mic feature, and you can send us 15 seconds of audio, and Yacht can play it on the air. And we will get to that coming up at the 8 o'clock hour. More on the Jazz win and Andy Bailey covering the Jazz and the NBA for Bleacher Report at 9 o'clock. Stay with us.